0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hello, everybody. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and it's good to be back from Kenya and Uganda, the pastors and the churches, they all send their love and they say, Tell them, please, thank you for giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your seed is changing Africa for Jesus, amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, yesterday I had to travel from Haripiers, and I was looking for the shortest route back to church. And so I went into Google Maps, you know, just to, and I noticed when you, when you pull up Christian Family Church on Google Maps, it's got a comment section. How many of you have noticed that before? It's like it's like feedback. And I began to read and scroll through all the comments of people that had visited Christian Family Church for the first time. And I was blown away by how many people come and visit this church and absolutely love it. It's no surprise though, amen? Because at Christian Family Church, we're changing lives and we're changing our world. Let's give God a great hand of praise. It makes for such a wonderful read, and it's no surprise, it's no surprise, we're doing our serve day come July, and then now June, May and June, we actually got our blanket and beanie drive, say blanket and beanie, Last year, we only gave out blankets. We figured, listen, the heat escapes from the head, so let's slap a beanie on it as well. So we're doing blankets, beanies, feeding the folks. And if you wanna get involved, you'll notice on the BG behind me, just get all the welfare at cfc.co.za and they'll tell you exactly how you can get involved. But we're doing something for the homeless this winter. We're helping them and keeping them warm, amen, with a gospel, with a blanket and a beanie. Come on, give God a wonderful hand of praise. Hallelujah. Well, it's time to get in the word. We started last week, Pastor Jenny did a great job. I also watched the, the comments of Pastor Jenny launching our, our series that we've just started entitled Change Your World. Now, this series is actually titled after a book that John Maxwell authored. I don't know if she mentioned that to you or not. We're not speaking out of the book, but we thought, gee was what a great title to develop a series on. And so I'm gonna be doing part two of that series here today. And really, my message today is speaking about influence and how you can change your world with the influence that God has given you. Now, regardless of whether you believe it or not, you are influencing people. Beyond a shadow of doubt, you are influencing people. So let's pray and let's dedicate this time to the Lord and then deep dive into the Word of God. Father, we come before you this morning in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you that we could gather together as believers in Jesus, with the power of the Holy Ghost, with the great commission to go out and change our world. I pray today, Lord God, that our influence individually would really just come to the fore that we would discover where you've called us to, the people you've called us to, so that we can change our world and change theirs. We give you all the glory for this, and all those who agreed said, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, It seems like my volume's a bit down. Can someone, is it poor? Okay, the sound's poor. Can we make a plan there, or do I need to use the handheld, guys? Handheld. One, two, handheld. Okay, let me get the handheld. I'll be back, for those of you watching online. I'll be back in a moment. (laughs) It was Arnold that coined the phrase, I'll be back. Okay, praise the Lord. Are we ready to get into it? I'm back, folks. Welcome to all of those of you watching online. We sang that song this morning, We're Coming Out of the Cave. You guys didn't come out of your houses and come to church. <laughs> I hope you didn't sing, I'm coming out. I hope you sang, I'm staying in. <laughs> praise the Lord. Okay, well, we're here and um, come to second service. You still got time to get to second service. Praise the Lord. As I mentioned, the title of our message is your sphere of influence. Here at Christian Family Church International, we believe that everyone is on a journey. Everyone, can someone say, I'm on a journey? Okay, so even when when you become a believer, you start a process, in actual fact, that's why we modeled our church the way we have because we believe everyone needs to know God. And we believe that people can know God in a very personal, intimate way. Not in an existential way, like God's up there and we down here and we have to cry out, Lord, where are you? Are you coming? But no, personally, we believe that a person can actually know God. And as a result of knowing God, you get the place where you realize that you need to find freedom because everyone needs freedom in a certain area, okay? So our first value is to know God. Our second value is to find freedom. The best way for me to describe this, I suppose, is before you come to Jesus, the world's got a good lock on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, the world's locked you down, right? And then you come to Jesus and you're full of joy and you try and move on in your spiritual journey. But for many of us, me included, something's pulling you back. So it's almost like you've got a 100 bungee cords. Some of us have 10, some of us have a million, like Pastor Greg, some only have one, like Pastor Johnny. But you can imagine trying to run with a bungee cord on you, you know? Every time you begin to know God and you find freedom in a specific area, it's almost like a bungee cord comes off. And guess what happens? You can run a little bit further. But sometimes the stuff we're dealing with pulls us back again and we know God and we discover something else, we find freedom. And so everyone, and if you don't think you've got issues, that's your issue. If you don't think you've got an issue, that is your issue. But we believe everyone is in the journey, and we eventually want all these bungee cords off us, you know, so that we can just walk free, the just shall live by faith, and we walk by faith. Amen. And then thirdly, it's important that we discover our purpose, which is why Christian Family Church has growth track. Now, most of you know about this, but for those of you that are here for the first time, and those of you watching online, you may not know that. But one of our values is to help you discover what God has called you to do because everyone is created on purpose for a purpose. God never said, ooh, we didn't plan that, Lord. That one was born, let's come up with something quickly. You know, and actually your purpose is as unique as your fingerprint. So don't ever think that I've got no value. Ah, someone's already doing what I'm called to do. No, no, no. What you bring to the party is as unique as your fingerprint. Your purpose is as unique. And my question to you is because most people are absolutely oblivious to the fact that their fingerprint is unique in every way. But when they come to that realization, shoulders back, chest out, saying, hey, man, I'm different. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then you bring that difference into the world where God has called you to serve. But it's really the fourth one that I'd like to spend the whole morning on my message this morning. And that is that. Every single one of you, because you're unique, has been called to make a difference. And truly speaking, nothing will ever make you happy. Not not the number of cars you have, the houses you own, the job that God has put you in, your vocation, your call. Nothing will make you happy until you make a difference in the life of someone else. That's where true fulfillment comes. So the ultimate purpose of my life, ultimately, is to glorify God by making a difference. Every single one of us are called to glorify God by making a difference. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 11, and let's see what the word says. In the NIV translation, the Bible says you will be made rich. Now, rich is not always referring to money. It can include money, but it's not always referring to money. And so in the context of the message, as I speak about influence today, read it this way. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God has made you rich in every way. He's even made you rich in influence so that you can be, why? Generous on every occasion. He's not made you rich for your own benefit. In actual fact, the Lord saved you, but not just to see you saved, but to see other people saved around you. Can someone say influence? You see, there are things for you that are just way easier to do. I mean, for example, when Gideon got up here today and sang rattle, if I tried to get that high and that loud, I'd break something. And I'm talking about in me. You know, there's just certain things that certain people are, I mean, the sound guys, okay, they didn't get a 10 out of 10. They got like a nine and a half. But I mean, if you put me behind behind that sound desk, I wouldn't know what's going on, you know? Every single one of us have a different contribution to make, and that's what makes this work. So there are some things that are just easier for you than for most of the people around you. And that's pretty much a key to the difference that God has created in you. And so my objective through my message today is simply for you to begin to recognize what your influence is. And here's the truth. Because if you don't recognize your influence, you can't even begin to exercise it. So today is dedicated to recognizing where you are influential in order for you to leverage that influence For the sake of Jesus Christ, can someone say amen? And the reason I'm teaching this message this morning, I suppose, is because there's still some of you that are not in the game. You're still not in the game. You're still sitting as bystanders and you're watching the game. Now, I'm not a big soccer fan and I was gonna ask Clive, but he's on leave. I was gonna ask Clive, what soccer game recently was won by someone who scored a last minute goal? And the entire stadium kind of went, you know, they erupted. Ask Elaine. Liverpool, I don't know about Liverpool, but I suppose I'm going to get booed by some people. But let's say Liverpool scored the last last goal, you know. I mean, the, the stadium erupts, they all get happy. But guess what? They'll never feel as fulfilled and as satisfied as the guy that actually scored the goal. That's the difference between not being in the game and watching the game. If you are here today and you're watching online and you've still not recognized what your influence is and are using that influence to glorify Jesus, guess what? You're not in the game. You come to church and you shout when you hear about a testimony of someone won to Christ. When you see a serve day, you clap your hands, but you're not in the game. And the only reason for that is, and I fundamentally believe, it's not because you're lazy. It's because you don't know your worth. You don't know what you bring to the team. Do you know why people get saved in this church every weekend? Because we're incomplete. This church is incomplete. If we were complete, people would stop coming through the doors. But the Lord says, "I'll bring them because you need them." And when you get saved and surrender your life to Christ, and when you go on growth track, guess what? We do as a team. We say, "Praise God! He's given us someone else to fill in a gap that we may not even knew was the, didn't even know was there." We're a family, amen? No one likes to have a son who just sits in his room and plays TV games all day. Put that boy to work. Mowing the lawn, even if it doesn't need to be mowed. Why, it's time he got some skin in the game, amen? And so my message really is because some of you still don't have skin in the game yet. Take a look at Galatians chapter four, six and verse four in the message. Look at this, it says, make a careful exploration of who you are today. We're gonna make a careful exploration of who we are and look what it says, and the work that you've been given. Say this, I've been given. Say it again, I've been given a job by the Lord Himself that no one else can fulfill, that is as unique as my fingerprint is. I don't know how many of you here today watching online have not discovered what that uniqueness is, but I tell you today, the Holy Ghost is gonna stir you. I'm not gonna do his job. I'm gonna preach the message and I'm gonna let him whirl around in your heart and whirl around in your mind and drive you towards action. So look at this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And then what? Sink yourself into it. I mean, literally get comfortable doing what the Lord has called you to do by his grace. And so, My message today is going to include just one Greek word, just one Greek word. We're going to expound on it to see what it really means. In order to get there, I need to take you through a section of Scripture, but I think it's well worth it. And so I've decided just to go through the whole thing and see what we can pick out of it. But towards the end, we're going to get to this one Greek word. Now, why Greek? Because Greek is such such a more richer, it's a richer language than English. It's way richer than English. And on the odd occasion, when you study the Word of God, it's important to go to the Greek to see exactly what the meaning of that word is. And so we're gonna look at that this morning. Go with me to Acts chapter 16, and I'm gonna be reading from 16 to 31. Can someone say influence? Okay, so once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave. Now, this woman was a trafficked woman, okay? You could have compared her to, to a modern day, perhaps a prostitute or someone who'd been trafficked and taken advantage by a whole group of men. So once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave trafficked who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Can someone say Distraction. Okay, so clearly here yeah, they were on their place to on their on their way to prayer. And isn't that just like the devil? Anytime you want to commit to a certain kind of dedicated prayer time, the level, the devil will always throw a distraction in, you know? And sometimes it's not always an obvious distraction, sometimes it's subtle. It's like this woman. I mean, this woman was saying, these are servants of God. They're preaching the truth. They're carrying on. And read it. Let's see, read it. It says here. She earned. Um, she earned a great deal of money from her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Paul Must have originally thought, Hey, someone's helping me here. But finally, when the, the gift of the discerning of spirits came upon Paul he recognized what this woman was doing and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus I command you to come out of her and at that moment the spirit left her isn't that exciting stuff I mean why do drugs when you can do the word just open your bible and read the word I mean it's adventure from beginning till the end amen all of a sudden, this woman's preaching, and then the devil's been cast out of her. When her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us, Roman customs unlawful for us, Romans, to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. I mean, can you imagine how discouraged these guys must have felt? They're in the will of God. They're doing what the Lord has told them to do. They're connecting with the people that God has told them to connect. And all of a sudden, they're finding themselves being beaten and the people are against them. The Bible says, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, you see, this is where me and Paul are different. <laughs> singing songs, I tell you what, isn't God amazing? Talk about a place of influence. Look at this. I mean, God uses Paul and Silas in adverse circumstances to put them in a prison, locked up Bound, but yet they become the most influential people in the story let me tell you if your church doesn't have an effective prison ministry God may just orchestrate one or two people to be locked up for a while I'm just saying to be locked up for a while someone who has a good spirit who understands listen wherever I go God goes and that was Paul's and Silas's mindset if I was Paul I would have also been singing but it would have been lamentations oh God why me where did I not hear you I would have been bumping Silas and said you told us to come to this place this is on you this is your fault but these guys are just made differently you see they know where they go God goes say that with me when I go where I go God goes John G Lake used to say that where he used to get dressed with his suit in front of the mirror and used to say man where I go God goes people mocked him for it but guess what he wasn't wrong Maybe you got that from Paul and Silas. And it goes on to say this, that, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them, say influence. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? When Paul and Silas began to use their influence, even though their circumstances were terrible, guess what? People began to be set free and people began to be delivered. Can someone say influence? Praise the Lord. So it says, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, by the way, I'm not at that Greek word yet. So just stick in there. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he, threw his, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You know, this wasn't in South Africa. You know, you know this wasn't a South African jail, I promise you now. And I'm telling you now, if I was Paul, that jailer would have had to fall because I would have also been gone the moment those doors were open. But you, know, you know, forgive me, I'll just checked the Bible in Technicolor. But I mean, Paul knew, listen, this is an assignment. God's moving here. I'm not in a rush to get out of this prison because my work's not yet done. Stop praying for God to move you to another job because your work's not yet done. Because you feel uncomfortable put up with a little bit longer because you never know what God's going to do with your influence in that position. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked. Look at that, he brought them out. Paul and Silas didn't walk out. The very person that they were about to win to Christ was instrumental in pulling them out of the place where they were held in bondage. Sometimes your deliverance is just one soul away. Sometimes your breakthrough is just one soul away. Sometimes your new or changing your world is really just one witness away. Can someone say just one witness away? So the jailer called for lights, rushed and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be a Christian? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you and your whole household. Now that's the word I wanna expound on is household. What a promise to give a man that you'll be saved and your entire household, say this, it's God's will that my salvation should lead to the salvation of my entire household. You can trust God for that. You can believe God for that. God has given us, an example in the Bible, but that word, that word household, is actually the Greek word oikos. Traditionally, we thought it included our family, but this is a more accurate translation. That word oikos means your relational domain. In other words, your sphere of influence. You see, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, this is what the scripture is actually saying, you will be saved and you will have a profound impact on your sphere of influence. That was the promise Paul gave to this man who surrendered his life to Jesus. You see, when you became a Christian, I'll say it again, it was not just for you. It's not your pastor's responsibility to lead those whom the Lord has called you to influence to the Lord. In actual fact, most of the people I lead to Jesus and most of the people I disciple aren't even part of Christian family church. I meet them all over the place. I disciple them from all over the place. Most of them, I I won't bring to church. I'll lead them to Jesus on my own. So when you became a Christian, it wasn't just for you. Now, as we speak about influence, I want you to note three areas that you can be influential in. Three areas, simple. We'll go through them quickly because I want to focus on the last one. The first one is my people. Mark chapter five and verse 19 says this. Go home to your family and friends and tell them. Someone say influence. But what do you tell them? This is a big thing. You see, I messed up when I was a baby Christian. I messed up royally in this area because I thought I had to tell them stuff that the Lord was not telling me to tell them. I'll never forget my dad was playing darts um, in his bar with a couple of his friends, a Lebanese guy and a few other guys. Walked in there and they were having beers and I was a young Christian. I walked in there and I said, you're all gonna hell." All of you, beer on the bar, darts, swearing, you're going to hell. And I walked out. That's what I did. I thought, hey, I told them, you know, yes. If these guys don't fall down and repent with sackcloth and ashes by the end of today, then I don't know. I went in, just went in like that and I walked out. I wasn't even up the stairs. Our address was 4 Arthur House Road. And the Lord said, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching. I'm preaching the gospel. The Lord said, go and apologize. I said, for what? He said, go and apologize. And straight away, the Lord convicted me so much. I walked back in there. I couldn't even apologize because I was weeping so bitterly. I just sensed how I'd grieved God and how I'd imagined even further to inoculate my father and all his friends against the gospel because I represented everything that Jesus wasn't. Look at what it says. Go to your home and family and friends and tell them how tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. How that doesn't change the gospel narrative, amen? How much mercy God has not had on you. I've got these two doctors and they're living next door to me. And I promise you, the wife is okay, but he's a hard nut to crack, I tell you. You He's he's something else, I promise you. He's the cups, or not only is half empty, it's completely empty with him. It's just completely empty. He'll never get a job. He'll never do this. He'll never do that. I said, hey, Lord's got your back. Don't worry, because he finished great. He's a doctor, finished, and he's looking for a position. I said, I'll pray the Lord's got your back. He's gonna get something for you. While I was in Kenya, he messaged me. He says, listen, I just got a permanent post. He's been without a job for four months. He said, I just got a permanent post. I said, I told you God's got your back. He said, I didn't believe you, but now I do. I believe that the Lord's got my back, amen? Baby steps. So how much mercy the Lord has had. I want you to repeat this after me. This is such a great phrase. Listen to this. Say this, the man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with a testimony. <laughs> no matter what argument they got, when you got a testimony, they can't argue against that, amen? Amen. So we're talking about influencing our people and getting your testimony on track. Sociologists agree that there is approximately 12 people that each and every one of us influence in a specific season in our life. Let's start there. So first, how can I have an influence? Number one, have an influence on my people or the people that are around you. The 12 that you spend time with. Not 12 Christians, get 12 unsaved people. Don't always look for the Christians who won't challenge your belief. Because let me tell you, you don't know what you believe until someone challenges it. And that's one of the reasons why many Christians don't want to spend time with the ungodly because they know the ungodly have got questions that they don't have answers for. So they'd rather be comfortable and not be challenged. You don't know really what you believe until someone challenges your belief. How many of you are ready to get out there and start making a difference and using your influence? The second area is my place. You see, everyone's location is unique. I don't, wear where you, I don't work where you work. You have an influence on people I might never ever lay my eyes on. So everyone's location is unique and each of us has our place. So we've got our people and then we've got our place. In 1978, two of the greatest apostles of our time, Lauren Cunningham, who birthed and had the vision for Youth with a Mission, sent out, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young people around the world to preach the gospel. And the late Bill Bright, Bill Bright would possibly be known as the person who's won the most souls ever, including more than Billy Graham. He produced the Jesus film, and that Jesus film has been seen by billions. Millions of people have given their heart to Jesus as a result. So these two were going to meet for breakfast. To cut a long story short, the night before they met, God gave them both a dream, an open vision, actually gave them both an open vision. When they came to meet for lunch, they both mentioned the open vision that God had given them. And the vision was exactly the same. God had revealed to them that there are seven spheres of influence that the church of Jesus Christ is gonna have to penetrate if we ever hope to win the world. Seven spheres of influence. I'm gonna go through these as quickly as I can, but I want you to remember these seven spheres of influence. Why? Because Christians cannot just be in the church. We have to be in all seven spheres if we wanna see the world change for Jesus. And this is all about changing our world, amen? So the first area that God wants us to change people in is obviously in the church. That's why we're here. But an interesting statistic is that only 47% of people will ever put a foot in church. So 53% of the people that God has called us to impact and to change are outside the walls of the church. They'll never put their foot in here, which means that we've got to up our game. We've got to up our game to include the people out there. So that's the first area. The second area that we call to influence for the sake of the gospel is in government. I met an interesting guy. I've got a picture of him. You can bring it up right now. This guy's name is Pastor John Walter. John Walter. He is actually an advocate in the high court of Kenya. I did three days church planting, and this was on my way out, so forgive me for not wearing a tie, but this was on our way when we were leaving. The training was finished. But I met this guy, John. He's an advocate in the high court of Kenya, but guess what he considers of more worth and is more important to him? He plants churches. Now you'd think, where does an advocate get time to plant churches? This man plants churches. He actually pastors and looks after seven churches currently and will continue planting churches. Guess what? He's making a difference in the kingdom, but he's also making a huge difference in the government, in the court system. The point I'm making is that, what's your excuse? You can never be too busy. So the first area, the first area of influence is church. The second one is government. The third one is sports and entertainment, I mean, and we see this happening around the world, sports and entertainment. You see movie stars coming to Jesus and the kind of impact they're having, but also the kind of persecution that they're having to put up with. And in sports, you see, this could have been, I mean, I could have been a professional boxer. I chose not to. I could have been a professional skier, but I thought, no, I'll hold back, give other guys a chance. Um, I could have been anything, but I chose, the Lord chose me to be a pastor. But wherever God has called you to be, Influence in that area, sports and entertainment, in the government, education. Just sitting here today, we've got two schools represented. One of them is a Christian school. The other one has got a Christian ethos, but it's a secular school. But guess what? There are places and it's run and owned by people who are born again, spiritual Christians. Don't tell me that's not gonna bring an influence somewhere along the line, amen? In business, that's the next sphere of influence. Don't just make money in your business. Make a difference while making money and using your money. The next one is media. That's another area we need a lot of sanctified born again believers in the media in the media in this country. Amen. Just so we can get the truth sometimes. Media and then family. So we've spoken about talking about our sphere of influence. We've spoken about finding our people We've spoken about monopolizing on our place, wherever that may be, in any of those seven spheres. And now thirdly, I want to talk about your passion. If you want to talk about influencing people, it's easiest to influence people when you're passionate about something. Now, Pastor Johnny, Pastor Greg, and Pastor Jenny, and most of the team will tell you, listen, one of my greatest weaknesses is that I get distracted very easily. I can shift and change. Exclusive for clear, monarchy. I mean, I can be passionate about one thing the one day, and then, ah, next day, not so passionate. The only thing constant with me is change. I remember some years ago, my wife and I were passionate about riding motorbikes. I bought myself a Harley. I realized that if I'm going to change the people around me that are professional sinners and bikers, I'm going to have to get a bike. I can't rock up there in a car and mingle with bikers. So you'll see a picture, check there. Hey, that's me and my baby. That's me and my baby on my street card. It was such a nice bike that I miss it now that I see it. But but it was a season. I was passionate about that. And guess what? At my last count, we led 11 families to Jesus. Here's just a picture of not the exact people. Go to the next slide. Talking about passion. So those are some of the people that, that we led to Christ. But whole families that we spent with one night, we were sitting around a table and a, and a whole a biker group was around the table. And, and we had people there that were that were drug addicts and using. Some of them were high and the, the evening started kind of tense, but ended up, all of them started downloading the Bible on their apps, on their phones. In, so someone say influence. It's easy to influence people when you're passionate about something. And that's what I wanna speak about. That's the point I'm trying to make over here. God will stir you, He'll stir you up towards something, about something, and utilize that. And you can find this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner, Paul says, I don't belong to myself. I'm a prisoner. He says, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. He has given each of us a special gift, not the same gift, not the same passion. He's given us something different, something unique through the generosity of Christ. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And my responsibility, because I'm one of those, is to equip God's people, which is really what I'm doing here. What? To equip God's people to do what? Look at this. To do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each one does its part. What are you passionate about? And so my passion shifted. I went from I went from riding bikes to running. I decided I wanna run comrades. And so in order to run comrades, you have to run with a club. And so I joined a running club. Um, you can see over here. So I joined a running club. So can someone say influence? You see the guy with the mask on his face. His name's Dean Fine. He's a little Jewish guy. I call him the Jewish gigolo. Up until recently, he wasn't married and he'd run behind all the pretty ladies. We'd say, Dean, come run with us, boy, come. Just stick around, stay with us, you know? So so that Dean over there and Brendan, but it wasn't long before, guess what? Some of them gave their hearts to Jesus and some of them still are and we baptizing him. Take a look at the next picture. It's easy. You know, when you're talking about your passion, when you're talking about your passion, you can communicate the gospel of Jesus. We don't have an off switch. You see, when you're excited about the Lord and it's passionate, and now this is a big one. You wanna hold on to this one. So my most recent passion is off-grid camping. I was a late bloomer in this department. I've lived in Africa, had never been to Kruger Park until I was in my 50s. Then I went and ta-da, the lights went on. And so I became passionate about camping. Check out this. This is in the Kruger Park. That's me with my baby again. Even though she's not passionate about things I like, guess what? I rope her in. And then she becomes passionate about them. Can someone say influence? Okay. So then guess what? We find ourselves camping in one of the most deserted places on earth, Rictusfeld. Go to the next picture. And guess what? We end up leading, oh, soul over there. He's a Nama. He's um, uh, from the Nama tribe. Sarah's next to him. We end up preaching the gospel to him for three hours the one night, invite them for dinner, got them saved, preached to Sarah. She got healed because she had rheumatic or she had arthritis. So your camping can even, now listen, you need to stick with me. In a month's time, I'm taking away six very specific people. I've been working on some of them for 20 years and I'm hoping that by taking them to a remote part of Africa, I'm going to be able to lead them to Jesus. Let's take a look at who those people are. There we go. Pastor Jenny, Pastor Simon, Pastor Johnny, Pastor Zavone, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tracy. Can someone say influence? Can someone say passion? Come on, guys. Hey, let's just get in there and let's just do it. Let's make a difference. Let you utilize our influence with people, with places, And with our passion, won't you find something that you passion, I don't know what my passion's gonna be next week, you never know with me. You never know. I mean, once I've got them saved, maybe I'll move on. Who knows? The Lord might move me on to something else. I'm just kidding, I love them very much. We are in actual fact going away next week, the management team together and guess what? We're gonna go witness, we're gonna go praise the Lord and we're gonna get souls saved right out there where nobody average, nobody goes normally. Can someone say praise the Lord? Anyway, my time is up. I hope this message has blessed you. And those of you watching online this morning, I didn't get to the 12 blessings that come with those who give and pour their lives out for others, but it is in your notes and you can take a look at that. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, or you perhaps watching online and you've never, never, ever surrendered your heart to Jesus? You heard me speaking about influence and about passion and really your, your life is kind of lackluster. Nothing ever exciting happens. And because nothing ever exciting happens with you, you have nothing to share with others. Let me tell you, excitement begins when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's when living really, really begins. When the joy of the Lord consumes you, when you're born again and it is well with your soul, when the sin that you've been struggling with has been washed away through the blood of Jesus and you are completely cleansed, that my friend is when life begins. So if that's you and you're saying to me, Pastor Andre, I wanna submit my life to Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand high in the air because in order to influence others, you first got to allow Jesus to influence you. At the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand high in the air, saying, Pastor Andre, that hands going all up. God bless you. Come on, raise your hand high in the air. Keep it raised for me. Please don't put it down. Jesus died naked on a cross for you so you can raise your hand in the air and say, yeah, Jesus, it's my time today. Today is the day. I surrender my life. For those of you watching online, right where you're at, raise your hand in the air, whether it's in your living room, wherever you're watching it, perhaps on a train with earphones in your ears and you're streaming a service. Say, Jesus, today is my day. I'm gonna ask, please, if leaders wouldn't mind going and pastors and just placing their hands on the shoulders of those folks. God bless you, sir. I see those hands over there. I see your hand. I see your hand in the front here, sweetheart. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together, shall we? Everyone, let's say this together. Say this, Heavenly Father, Especially those that raised your hands. Come on, say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I have sinned and fallen short of your standard. Today I'm asking that you forgive me and that you save me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And after three days, you rose again, declaring that I am forgiven. I take it today. Come into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. Now, I just wanna pray with you for one second. Father, I pray that you grant every single person that's raised their hands the gift of faith to accept, believe, and receive the spectacular gift of salvation. May they never go back. May they grow in you. May they know you. May they find freedom. May they discover purpose and may they too also make a difference in Jesus' name I pray. Come on, let's give them a great God bless you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources,